Why is it the same repetitive mistakes continue to rob salespeople of more commission checks, regardless of industry, size of company, or region of the globe? These same inhibitors are holding us back from reaching our full potential. Amongst many industry awards, Ian Selby achieved the accolade of top salesperson in the world at Apple. And in this podcast, he will discuss the issues that sales professionals encounter from his own experiences, confessing to the problems he has endured and how he overcame them, giving the benefit of his wisdom to everyone listening who work in the world of sales. To help you, he will reveal strategies to overcome the issues hurting salespeople and helping you reach new levels of sales success. Confessions of a Sales Pro. Lessons, more wins. With your host, Ian Selby. Welcome to Confessions of a Sales Pro. My special guest this week is Chris Doris from Chandler, Arizona. As a mental toughness coach, Chris is ultimately in the business of success coaching. He helps people close the gap between how their lives are and how they want them to be. Chris started his career as a social worker working on the streets of Atlantic City, helping the mentally ill, drug-addicted, and homeless populations upgrade their lives. Over the course of those years, he observed that some of those folks, as a consequence or their belief and their persistence, they were able to overcome some really serious challenges. That experience, in retrospect, was the perfect foundation for what became Chris's vocation. Since then, Chris has discovered that the mental toughness tools he was using with many of the world's greatest athletes were perfectly applicable to many other disciplines beyond sport. Chris has trained the minds of world-famous actors, NFL and NHL coaches, business executives, Super Bowl champions, and billionaires. And now he is a coach's coach as well, helping them build thriving practices. Chris is the author of two books, The Daily Dose, Start All 365 Days of Your Year with a Dose of Mental Toughness in 30 Seconds or Less, and Creating Your Dream, Confidently Stepping Into Your Own Brilliance. Also, several audio programs, including uh, Creating Your Dream Audio Course, The Edge, Mental Toughness, or uh, Miraculous Golf, and All In, as well as an online course entitled All In 2.0. Chris, thank you for taking the time, and welcome to the podcast. Ian, I really appreciate the invite. Thank you so very much. So I know you're busy. You've got a lot going on. And uh, again, just on behalf of the listeners, thanks for taking the time to hang out with us today. Really appreciate it. Yeah. So no, my, my your bio is so impressive, but I've got to tell you, mental toughness who couldn't use a dose of that every day of their life i totally agree right what what exactly is mental toughness trainer or coaching what is that yeah you know um unfortunately that's a great question and i say it like that because i wish it was clear to all of us and the reason that that's not clear and the reason that it is such a good question is because we didn't have it in grade school. So, so here's my response. Uh, as a mental toughness trainer or coach, what I do is I teach people how to use their minds, how to strengthen the way that they use their minds. So ultimately, we just use our minds in ways that serve us. We use our minds 
in ways that maximize the probability of having what we want, being who we want, doing what we want, having lives on our terms, bottom line. You know, we all had gym class or phys ed, short for physical education. We were all educated on the value of being physically active or fit. We all got that every year in school from the very beginning we were educated every week on how important it is to be physically strong or fit or active but we didn't have the class called mental fitness or emotional mastery none none of us did and which to me is a it's a joke because, I mean, Buddha, I'm a big fan of Eastern philosophy, and Buddha said our entire lives unfold according to the way that we think. So I'll be on a stage doing a keynote, right, for a, for a big company, and I'll, I'll ask everybody in the entire room, there could be thousands of people in the room, and I'll say, raise your hand uh, if you had formal education on how to strengthen the way you use your mind starting in grade one and tell me what that class was called. And of course, no one raises their hand. Right. So it is a good question. I wish it wasn't. Um, so fundamentally, to reiterate, what a mental toughness trainer or mental toughness coach from my perspective is, is someone who teaches you what we didn't learn in grade school specifically on how to practically strengthen the way that we use our minds so that we can respond to reality with mastery immediately in ways that result in us being able to stop unnecessarily settling, struggling, or worse, suffering. So, so well said. And, and I, I couldn't agree more. It's, in school, it was, yeah, it was rugby, hockey, football, soccer, fitness, gym class. Nothing on the nothing on the mind at all, and and a lot of people struggle because of that. So it's a very uh, a very endeared service you're offering the world, Chris. Uh, it, it totally is. It, uh, you it, know, it, the I, mind is a muscle. Yeah, we gotta we gotta we've gotta exercise yeah. our muscles to be healthy on all levels. Exactly. Our you know our not only our so it's not like you know if you don't work out you're you're fragile. If you don't exercise like at all, if you're completely sedentary physically, you're vulnerable to injury and you don't have strength. Now, if you don't exercise the mind, not only are you, you vulnerable, you, you are being literally governed, literally, literally, not figuratively, not even remotely figuratively. You are literally being governed by the external world. So I use all these mantras in my work, and one of them is the outer world is a reflection of the inner world, which means what I've got going on in my life, Ian, is the direct result of what I've got going on in my mind. So if there is chaos or scarcity in my life, it is because there is chaos and scarcity in my mind, but we don't know that. And then we just get busy assigning blame and responsibility to external sources as opposed to going inside, doing the work, the hard work, of strengthening the mind so that I can create the outer world that I want, like abundance and peace and joy. 
such it's a fascinating topic. It truly is one of the most fascinating I've ever had on 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 my podcast here. So, Chris, a question for you: How and why did you get into the field of mental toughness training? What was the you know what was your you know the 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 bell that went off or the the fork of lightning that hit you? How did you get into it? Yeah. Yeah, I, I, lo- I love this question. I've given this question a lot of thought, man. And uh, so in my bio, uh, you know, it says I started my career as a social worker, but, but that's not the answer to the question. It wasn't like becoming a social worker. I became a social worker because of what I'm about to tell you. In fact, everything I've ever done, ever, vocationally, ever, is because of what I'm about to, to say, which is it goes all the way back to childhood, to when I was about nine uh, yeah, I didn't realize this until fairly recently, and I, and I love this awareness. So we, I grew up, my dad died when I was nine, and um, he died very young. He was, he was very successful, had his own accounting firm. So we, we had a pretty good life, like really good, uh, until he died because we got poor pretty fast. So then my home was uh, really stressed out. You know, my home life, the vibe in my home was characterized by extreme scarcity and really low-grade thinking. A lot of fear and anxiety. Now, my bedroom faced my neighbors who were named an old retired couple from Philadelphia. They worked at Philadelphia Railroad, sweethearts, just incredible humans I love so much. Their Their names were Dan and Mame. Cane, the cane, like candy cane. They actually had a daughter. I swear, I'm telling you the truth. They named her Candy. I'm not kidding. <laughs> but they, but they were so. But these people were so full of joy and celebration, lightness of being, compassion, sharing, consideration. All the things good. So I loved them. I would spend so much time over there talking to them, being around them because of the, the vibe was just purely attractive. So there was this like really stark contrast between how it felt to be in my own home versus how it felt to be around them. And, and it's really funny because they had this cool ritual. You know, during the summers, we were at the Jersey Shore in a town called Sea Isle City. And our, our house was five houses from the beach, and theirs was four. They were one house closer. So they always see me coming back from the beach every day. The total beach bum I was as a kid. Mm-hmm. And I'd come back, and they'd, they, you know, they'd say, hey, come on over. Hey, muscles. They called me muscles because I didn't have any because I was just so skinny. <laughs> and I'd walk across, and then I'd say hello, you know, to all the guests because they always had. They're always hosting, right? So they would have... You know, the hecklers would be over, or the coffees, or their own, their, their daughter Candy, and her husband Chick, and their, and their daughters. You know, so there was like a rotation of guests all summer long. And on the front porch, after like about 5 p.m. happy hour, when the beach would close, I'd come back. They're always on the front porch having happy hour, laughing, celebrating. They would hand me shrimp. Everybody, and it's just, just so joyous. You know, it was really pleasant. So then my mom would call me for dinner. I'd go home and then they would go inside. They had dinner inside and then they would retire to their back patio every single day of the summer. And they would have cocktails and just laugh their asses off all night. And my bedroom faced their house. So I would hear, you know how contagious laughter is. 
Oh, yeah. You don't even have to know what people are laughing. They've done research on that. They'll just get some person to go down on a subway platform and just an actor and just start laughing his ass off. And everybody around, after a while, they think he's a, he's a nut job at first, but then everybody's laughing. They don't even know why. But yeah, the same thing because yeah. of mirror neurons. It's cool. It's mirror neurons. And that's really relevant to my answer. It's just like I was really mirroring the joy that they were exuding, the celebration, the lightness of being. I was responding to it. So I didn't even know it, Ian, but in those years, those formative years, I was actually unconsciously deciding that that's what I want to commit my life to. Because if that's an option, it's a, it's a hell of a better option than the one that we're choosing inside my house. And I'm going to commit my, if that's a possibility, well then hell, let's have everybody, like what would the world be like if everybody's choosing that? So yeah. that was really the inspiration. And everything that I've done since then has been in alignment with that. That's, uh, that's, that's such a warm-hearted story, and, and I totally agree. Uh, people who are, are happy um, and, and, you know, believe in abundance and sharing and caring, they are, they're like a magnet. It's hard to not want to yeah. be around people like that. It can be contagious, right. as you say. So it's, uh, it's, right. it's fantastic. I love, your, I love that story, Chris. It's a, a beautiful one. Mm -hmm. um, so another question for you. Uh, how... Are mental and physical training similar and or different? Like, where's the where's the divide on that? What's what's your observation? Well, yeah. Well, first of all, you just put, you're asking phenomenal questions, so props to you for that. This is really this is good. So, uh, there are, okay, so let's start. There's a lot of similarities and some really really monumental differences, which are interesting to point out. And I'll start with the similarities. So the similarity uh, is that just like in physical training or exercising physically, right, uh, in order for you to gain strength or to be fit or in shape so that your body works for you and so that you're healthy and so that you're decreasing the probability of injury and you're increasing the probability of longevity and comfort and ability, you got to get in the reps. You got to work out. Mm. And, and, you gotta, and when you stop, it goes away. It's as simple as it. And in the same exact vein, if you want to be mentally tough, which by the way, so you know, and I use that, that's like my branding, like mental toughness coach. But I, I, to be quite honest, I use that terminology synonymously with enlightenment and emotional mastery, right? It's choosing to live with lightness of being and being able to use, you know, master the way we use our mind. So it's not when people hear mental toughness, a lot of times they just think, oh, like, like Navy SEAL and offensive lineman, football, which yeah. is part, but only a part, like a sliver of really what mental toughness means is, is that grinding grit. It's, it's really the ability to, to, through training, be able to respond to all of life and reality with grace and mastery. So the similarities are like you got to do the work. Now, one of the big differences between, maybe the biggest difference between mental and physical training is that mental training is an inward experience. It's predicated entirely upon awareness and self-inquiry. So I say that all the most mentally tough slash happiest slash successful people, because those three things are all inextricably connected. They choose to live in a state of perpetual self-inquiry, meaning they're always asking themselves the questions because they created the habit to be asking all day long questions to themselves, like, how am I feeling right now? 
what kind of emotional state am I thinking my way into in this moment? And um, is it serving me? Like, could it use a little love? Could it use an upgrade? Like, these are questions that most of us have never even heard, nonetheless, mm-hmm. gotten into the practice of asking ourselves. So, the, so there's one of the differences is that it's all predicated upon internal awareness. But another huge difference is you can't overtrain mentally. You cannot, you don't get hurt. Not only do you not, you can't overtrain, there are no injuries. And uh, like the world is your training ground. You don't need equipment. You don't need a gym. Uh, every moment in your life is an opportunity to upgrade your thoughts and strengthen the way that you're using your mind. And not only do you not get exhausted, it's instantaneously invigorating because when you get into the practice of elevating your state, you feel amazing. And that's where motivation and, and juice is where the juice comes from, right? Where, where, you know, inspiration, inspiration, being in alignment with your spirit, enthusiasm, the word enthusiasm is amazing, but the state is amazing, but the word for the state of enthusiasm is equally amazing because it comes from the Greek word entheos, which means the creator within. So when you're, when you're thinking yourself into states like gratitude and or enthusiasm, you're activating all forms of creative genius. You feel amped. You're pumped. You're not tired. What's tiring is feeling like crap, is being anxious, consistently entertaining right. thoughts of what could go wrong. That is exhausting. So, so maybe the biggest difference then after just saying all this to you right now, Ian, is the, is the last part. The biggest difference between physical and mental training is that uh, mental training is perpetually and instantaneously invigorating. You cannot, not only do you not get exhausted, you get inspired. Wow. I love what you just said. And it's so right. I, I exercise every morning, go for a long walk and definitely break a sweat. And I've got to rest after that. I, I have to get some water in me and just chill for a while and sort of catch my breath. Um, and while I'm out on my walk, I'm thinking about things. I'm setting my, my day up for positive outcomes. And, and so you could even link things together like that. While you're exercising, you could also be exercising mentally and physically at the same time. It's, it's, oh, it's, yeah. and the impact, you're right. You don't need a, a gym membership. You don't need a, you know, an ice rink or a football field. You've got the world, you've got your brain, and you've got your time. And that's all you need to, to get on the edge of mental toughness. I love what you're saying. So, you know, you're bringing up really good points. Go ahead, go ahead, Chris. When, when people are asking, this, this is a good takeaway. This is a really good, this is a good takeaway for the audience. For those uh, who are listening who are actually uh, engaging in physical training or exercise, use that time to strengthen your mind simultaneously. Pay very close attention to how you're speaking to yourself while you're exercising and pay attention to how frequently you complain or you have thoughts like, I wish this was over. I can't wait for this to be done. I have to do, I have to do four more sets of this crap or I have still two more, whatever the, 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 the complaining thoughts and, and simply replace them with yes, the words yes and good. I'm not kidding. Yes mm-hmm. and good. Yes. Or, or even I got this. Yes. Good. I got this. Yes. Good. The, so just repeat those words to yourself ad nauseum because those are words that we have used in powerful positive context, the association, they, they ask just saying that, talking to yourself like that, has you be stronger. Complaining to yourself while exercising has you be weaker. 
Right. Makes so much sense. It, it really, really does. So I, I love practicality. I love giving the listeners some jewels, some gems. Um, what are maybe one or two mental toughness disciplines that people can start practicing right away, Chris? Oh yeah, good. Well, I appreciate that. That's a, that's so so great because I, you know, when people say, "Oh, you notice that in my bio it does not say I'm a motivational speaker," and it doesn't because I'm not. I am not a motivational speaker. I do a lot of speaking, but it's not motivational. People can get motivated from it, but but I'm giving tools and I make a pledge every time I ever give a talk. I preface it by saying, "This is a workout." And, and it's going to have no value for you whatsoever unless you take the tools that I promise to deliver to you now and go work them out. Go work them. Practice, integrate them into your life. Practice them. Make them habits so that you gain strength. You might walk out of this room after this talk feeling pretty amped. That would be cool. But that's not the, that's not the gift. <laughs> I'm giving you tools, practices, disciplines. Take them. Go use them. So here's a couple. Well, just like I was saying a minute ago, you know, like why, when you're exercising, pay real close attention to your self-talk. Well, why don't we just do that all day? And, and here's a real practical way to do it. Start eliminating complaining as a behavior from your life. I am not joking. Complaining deactivates intelligence. Basically, complaining is stupid and has us be stupid. It's so stupid. It's stupid. It's unbelievably popular <laughs> and really stupid. Right? The, the, the value we get out of complaining is so minimal. It would be like venting or like bonding through negativity. They're the only two things I've ever thought of. Uh, like, what, what do we get out of complaining? But the expense far outweighs the benefit. So it's a terrible investment of our uh, psychic or mental energy. It's just dumb. So, and some researchers, uh, I, I don't... I can't find this research study, but I read it somewhere, uh, and I can't challenge it because they said that he, humans, um, as humans, on average, we complain once every 11 seconds. Seconds. Not From minutes. Van- seconds. Seconds. Oh. Right. Oh. Right. Right. Like, like little tiny silent complaints that occur in our minds that aren't even articulated, right? Uh, you know, like the pen runs out of ink or I spill something or I bite my cheek or damn. You know, every, tiny little things. Like, oh, I wish I didn't have to respond to that email. Like, if we slow down and pay attention, which, of course, that's, like, the bottom line of all mental toughness training is slowing down to pay attention to what's going on in the inner world. And if you do specifically start paying attention to the frequency with which you complain, you will be humbled. But be excited. Because every one of those is an opportunity to get in a repetition, right? So here's the practice. So simple and so powerful. Catch yourself complaining, and as soon as you do, convert that statement, that complaint, into an expression of gratitude. This is not kumbaya. This isn't fluff. I hate that crap. This is discipline. This is literally reprogramming your neurology. You're rewiring your brain. You're interrupting. You're you're disconnecting the wiring, deconstructing the wiring, that you have created from habitual complaining, just simply practicing having a problem with reality, and you are reconstructing a new auto-response to reality, which would be enthusiasm or, at worst, curiosity or better gratitude. So so when you complain about traffic, stop it. Catch yourself, stop. 
replace, thank God I have a car. What an amazing, I'm so excited about where I'm going. This, thank you to all the human beings that built this vehicle. Thank you to all the human beings that toiled like tirelessly to build the road. These amazing roads that helped me get, that I t- never think about. That I never, ever think about going, thank God for that. Yeah. So every, every single thing that I ever complain about could be instantaneously turned into an authentic, not a cheesy, fake, phony expression, but an authentic, legitimate expression of gratitude. That's number one. And number two is I started a ritual. Uh, yes, I guess that's the right word. A couple of years ago now, it's probably about two years. I can't believe it took me that long in my life to actually start doing this. But every Every day, the very first thing that I do when I wake up is I make a declaration. And I said it to you earlier before we started recording. And it's Absolutely. the same thing I say every time. It's every time when someone asks me, how are you doing? What happens is that's a reminder to make the same declaration. But the declaration I start every day with is this. This is the best damn day of my life. Now, I'm going to explain that. Okay, again, because people sometimes will hear this as a guy's just like looking at life through rose-colored glasses, and I'll tell you what, hell no, nope. What I'm doing is I'm I have a zero tolerance policy for being a victim of circumstance. So uh, one of my favorite mantras is create the state, don't wait. Biggest mistake I've ever ever observed during the entire of my vocation, helping people in all different disciplines in life is waiting unnecessarily. Putting unnecessary time between ourselves and feeling good, unnecessary time between ourselves and creating what we want. Okay, so I start with state. Create the state, don't wait. So the state that I begin with every day is this is the best damn day of my life. I'm not waiting to see how it goes. I'm sure as hell not waiting for something unusually spectacular to occur in order for me to feel unusually spectacular. Then later in the day, I forget that. And then someone said, I go to grocery store and maybe my car is acting up or something. And, or I forgot the grocery list. Oh, damn it. Now I'm not, I'm not, I'm not feeling like that's the best day. day. I'm in complaint. So then I get to the checkout counter and person says, how you doing? Then they might not even care. (laughs) It's just a cool, you know, sometimes it's just a green. They don't really care. It's just a thing you say when you first see. So I, I, you know, and I say, oh, thank you. Thank you. for. I totally appreciate you asking me that because that's my reminder to go, this is the best damn day of my life again. And I say it out loud. Yeah. And I do the work. Some days, I say some days, some days in, in those mornings, it ain't so easy to have that be true. And I don't bail. I stay there. It's written on my bathroom mirror. I have. Yeah. On my bathroom mirror, it says hashtag BDDOML. So I'll stand there and look at it and go, this is the best damn day of my life. And I don't just say the words. I got to do the work inside to have that be true. Yeah. That's, that's so I recommend that you, uh, that's the work. That's it. That's it. That's you changing your state on purpose without waiting for anything in the outer world to change. Start with the inner world. Yeah. And when I bring that kind of vibe out into my days, when, I, when I'm successful, which I have been for two years now without fail, miss no days. My days get it gets. I'm telling you, please, everybody that's hearing this, please practice, experiment with this, and if it works, keep it. If it doesn't, throw it away. 
But give it a whirl, like give it a real, delete that. That's terrible. That's a weak sentence. <laughs> give it a whirl. It's trash. Do it. <laughs> yeah. Commit yeah, to really thoroughly. Yeah. Right in line with what you're saying. Uh, you know, how everyone says, have a, have a great day. They got to end emails with that or, or text messages. And, and I thought, well, that's hoping that the world's good to me today. Have a good day. Why not make it a great day? And that's more in line yeah. with what you're talking about here. I like to have control over my outcomes, my, 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 you know, my effort, my, you know, my life. So if I take responsibility for that, I'm going to make this a great day, like best damn day of my life, like you're talking about. I can control that. Yeah. Where if you're just waiting for good things to happen to make it a good day, you have no control of that. Right. Right, so I right. love the intention right. with what you're talking about. That yeah, and your voice is so contagious. I'm I'm loving this uh, this discussion. You have Chris an <laughs> audio program and an online course yeah. entitled All In. What does All In mm-hmm. mean to you, and, and how could we all utilize mm-hmm. that? Well, oh man, okay, this is great. So uh, there are so many different human emotional states that we have available to us in every moment of our lives that again wasn't taught to us we have been taught instead to again wait for something good to happen to feel joy filled wait for a certain amount of um money could be in our savings account in order to feel safe and secure financially waiting for a certain title to feel competent waiting for acknowledgement you know to feel worthy and that list goes on and on all in is one of the many, many states that we have access to in every moment, okay? And we have access to every single human emotional state that exists in every moment. All we gotta do is think our way into it. So the all in state is one of the most, well, I'll say it is the most powerful of all the different states for getting stuff done. For getting stuff done. So all in is the infinitely committed state. When I, and I'm so, so basically the, 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 like the, the backbone, the real distinction for what's, what does all in versus other states mean? The difference is uh, between um, a goal and a decision. The monumental difference between a goal versus a decision. There's a world of difference. And the difference is simple and profound, and it's this. A goal leaves the door open for the possibility of failure, whereas a decision does not. When I am in decision-making mode versus giving it a whirl, which is why I deleted that weak sentence a minute ago, or trying, uh, pursuing a goal, when I'm in the all-in state, the possibility of failure is non-existent in my field of consciousness. That's that's amazing. So doubt it ain't there. That is when I'm in that state. I'm like when I'm doubtless. I'm too busy doing what it takes to accomplish the mission to even entertain the possibility of failure. When things occur that others or that I previously would have like interpreted as like an obstacle or or an adversity. When I'm all in, there is no such thing as adversity or failure in my world. 
they're just events. And if by virtue of them occurring, it's forward progress. So if I need to renavigate or recalibrate, that's cool. It's just part of the path towards the mission. It doesn't have you go, uh oh. I never, I never, when I'm all in, I don't go, uh oh. I go, oh, all right, cool. I work with. Yeah. So it, so, so that is, um, you know, I learned that, I really, really learned that on a deep level from doing work with a former coach of mine. His name is Steve Hardison, and he, he also lives here in Arizona. And, uh, he, like, he's, he's such a powerful human being and, uh, so privileged to create the opportunity to work with him. And I'm still very close with him. He actually coaches Oprah Winfrey's coach. So he's like, he's pretty badass. And he had me understand really what it meant, the difference between being sort of committed versus infinitely committed and inspired the creation of those, uh, the audio program as well as the online course. You know, it's a, it's a state. So to summarize all that, and it's a state that's available to us, all in state, infinitely committed decision-making mode when I'm doubtless. And, and when I'm in that state, I take immediate, bold, and masterful action and maximize the probability of creating the miracles that I've designed to create. That is music. I love what you just said. I, I'm all <laughs> in. And what a, a great name for it as well. No, kind of be in, sort of in, conditionally in. I'm all yeah. in. I'm doing this. Right. A decision, right? No, right. Not, not hope. Hope yeah. is not a strategy. A decision is. I, I, love, I love what oh, you're saying. Oh, I love that. Chris, you, you, you I like that. It. Can I steal you that? You can have it, buddy. It's all yours. You Thank can you. have that one. Thank you. I like that. Yeah, you're Thank welcome. You. You're welcome. So, so, Chris, you've stimulated a lot of thought. Our listeners must be taking notes. Hopefully, they're not driving and trying to write at the same time they've pulled over. Um, how can our listeners uh, reach out to get a hold of you? Your, you know, your books, your, your online courses, your audio uh, tools. How can our listeners yeah. get a hold of you, Chris? What would the best way be? Yeah, it's, there's two ways. Uh, first, it's everything's my my website is awesome. It's uh, meaning it's it, like it's robust and everything is there and accessible. So my website address is my name, which is ChristopherDoris.com. Uh, Christopher Doris D O R R I S is the spelling of my last name. Two R's. ChristopherDoris.com. And uh, on the homepage there, you could sign up. I have, um, I create a lot of content and I, I, you know, I don't have kids and I'm not going to. And uh, so therefore my legacy will not be my children or my family. My legacy is my content. So I take that really seriously. And I put out a lot of content and it's free. So uh, you can get on my list every morning at 6 a.m. I have a list that's called the Daily Dose, Mental Toughness Tips in 30 Seconds or Less. And, and, that, and that is my favorite project of my life, of my life, all in is the second favorite project of my life. So I really encourage people to get on the list. You do that right on the homepage. Or if you go to ChristopherDoris.com backslash list, L-I-S-T-S. So I do the daily dose every morning at 6 a.m. Wherever you are in the world, you'll get it right there. And help you get your head right first thing in the day. I also send, I do uh, blogging. So I do blog posts every week on Tuesdays. And then I, uh, I have my own podcast, which is called Tough Talks, Conversations on Mental Toughness that comes out every other Thursday. You sign up for that stuff, and uh, I don't do any soliciting. It's just content gifts. So, and then LinkedIn. I'm very active. I'm very active on, uh, on LinkedIn as well. You are, sir. I see a lot of your posts, and like most of them, when I, when I can see them, that's for sure. You're very active on LinkedIn. We all should be. Um, again, Chris, I, I want to... Thank you uh, personally. Chris Doris has been my guest on Confessions of a Sales Pro uh, this week. Chris, thank you sincerely 
for your wisdom and your, your content and the contagious positivity you're bringing to this planet. Thank you, sir. Well, that's beautiful. I really appreciate those kind words. Uh, thank you for saying that, Ian, and, and thank you so much for the invitation. Thank you for giving me the opportunity at the end of it to, uh, to send people uh, somewhere where I can provide more service and, and value. And thank you for the amazing questions. You're, a, you're, you're an incredible interviewer, so thank you for this experience and this conversation. Thanks again, Chris. And thank you for listening to Confessions of a Sales Pro. If you have found this episode informative and helpful, we would be honored and appreciative if you would share this podcast with other great salespeople like yourself. And we look forward to you joining us for all new episodes weekly, every Thursday. Please subscribe to the podcast if you haven't already. If you'd like us to help you grow your sales commissions, visit us at salesmentoryou.com. Confessions of a Sales Pro. Lessons, more wins. With Ian Selby.